Father, we thank you for who you are. We magnify your name and want to say with these songs that all glory and honor belongs to you. Uh, Father, we pray that you would continue to magnify your name this morning, exalt your Son. May our hearts be drawn to him, whether believers or unbelievers, that you would um, draw us to yourself and magnify yourself in saving and sanctifying. Father, we pray your blessing upon our meeting this morning and uh, pray that our hearts would be encouraged as we seek to honor you as we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You may be seated. <clears throat> Thank you for your prayers and support this last two weeks. Again, is doing much better. Um, still recovering and hopefully yeah, over the next few days uh, she will be better. <clears throat> I'm going to read one verse, and we'll get to that verse later on in our discussion. 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. For those of you who have not been with us through the study, um, I think it is online. I'm not sure yet. Uh, is it online? Yeah. You are able to find the lessons online? Yes, sir? Um, you can just remember to find uh, a repeat the questions that are asked. Because it's if you can listen online, you can hear the Repeat the questions. You're going to have to repeat that later. Okay. Um, yeah, if I remember, I will repeat the questions. Thank you. Um, I've decided just to uh, n number it chronologically. In my mind, I'm still in lesson two. Um, I think we are in D now, but because um, those who are doing the online things are getting confused, um, and so I just decided to do lesson six. But uh, regardless of that, we are finishing our survey of the psychological um, uh, schools and the different perspectives that are out there and year after we actually jump into so next week we look at what biblical counseling is what notheric counseling is and how we can go how we can go about um, no 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 keep this with you thank you uh, counseling people. So the, and I will cover aspects of counseling. I will cover, uh, I think, anxiety. There's three that I, I forget now. It's, it's later on. Um, <clears throat> so I will cover aspects that relate to counseling, but this class is dual-purposed. Uh, so it is for those who want to be counselors. So I'm going to cover things to avoid in counseling and things to do in counseling. And those who need to be counseled, I will be covering some aspects. Today we cover uh, a little bit about um, an element of uh, counseling. <clears throat> if you don't have a pen, there should be pens being handed out at the moment. Uh, just put your hand up and Joshua will get it to you. This morning we look at the humanistic school popularized by um, Carl Rogers. Rogerianism is it's what it's known by. And Abraham Maslow. Now there's a little bit of a, a, a difference in their approach. I'm going to cover them together because they do overlap uh, <clears throat> somewhat. They're both underneath the humanistic uh, psychology. The, this is not humanism. It's the humanistic approach uh, to, psych, uh, to psychology. <clears throat> and uh, both of these... 
reacted to both uh, Freud and Skinner, and uh, so they wanted to move away from this uh, psychotropic drugs and uh, application of psychology to something that is more man-centered, pointing inward, having the solutions and answers in um, mankind. But in all of these aspects, I hope you are seeing it, uh, all these theories uh, and all these approaches, they have the presuppositions they have presuppositions about God, about man, about sin, about change, uh, salvation, deliverance. All of that, they have a theology. Remember back when I, when I started, I said, no counseling is atheological, is without theology. They do have a theology, and it comes out in how they um, speak about man, how they speak about deliverance, how they um, avoid topics about uh, God. And unfortunately... There's been a slow uh, takeover, I should say, infiltration of psychological thinking uh, and influence in the Christian world. We have been psychologized. Uh, some of the things that we say, and, uh, and this, I don't psychoanalyze people when, we, when, I, when I do counseling and speak to them, because I do understand that we are people of our time, and we do say things that, um, that indicate that we are... Um, uh, thinking through the lens of psychology. For instance, have you ever heard the, the statement, all truth is God's truth, or all truth is? All truth is God's truth. Ever heard that before? Is that true or not true? What do you think? Is it true? <laughs> Tricky question. <laughs> Technically it is, right? All truth is God's. But not all truth comes from God. The devil has truth, right? And remember when the demon spoke truth about Jesus? What did he do? Shut up. I don't want your affirmation. I don't need demonic affirmation of who I am. So just because it's truth doesn't mean it is from God. With any element of um, rightness, it, I don't want to put this. It doesn't mean that it's good for us. Um, they, you know the saying that a clock can be right twice a day? Um, even so with psychology, they do say right things. There are some good aspects about psychology. For instance, in um, profiling uh, criminals, they, the, the um, psychological approach to seeing human habits have been helpful. There are learning disabilities. Psychology can help with that. The only problem is that they think of things in terms of mental problems. Um, or uh, when you maybe have anxiety, they would call it a mental problem. So there are some things that we can learn from psychology, but I don't think we should use, actually, let me rephrase that. We should not use psychology in wanting to help God's people. Um, it's got no place in the Church of Jesus Christ. In this approach, the humanistic approach, free will is supreme. You will note that it comes up a lot, and um, we'll, we'll do a little bit of a case study in, in our culture today, and uh, it is in one of the questions. Rogers asserts that, quote, experience, here understood as, exper as experiential field, has meaning. Sound familiar? Experience has meaning. The organism must be left, uh, must be let 
the organism must let experience tell its own meaning. Hmm. Interesting. Uh, end quote. This is so uh, pervasive in the Christian circles today where experience is authority. Experience is truth. Um, we may not think that it's psychological, but if you look at the date, it's 1961. Um, that is just the other day. Um, and yet, we haven't moved beyond it because it takes a generation for something to take hold. We are seeing the impact of that uh, today. This is the existential element that we are finding in Christian circles today. I've experienced it, so you cannot tell me that it is not true. Experience has meaning, and this meaning is transferred into truth. Um, I hope you're seeing that there is a psychologizing of not only society, but of the Christian world as well. Uh, it's hugely influenced us. So as we begin, let's consider Rogerianism as, and the Maslonian uh, approach. Those are not words. Um, it, obviously, um, you, you will note that I, I tend to make up things, but it sounds right. La? Ro, Ro, Roger, Rogerianism, Maslow, Maslonian. Anyway, let's move on. Number one, the, fundam the fundamental problem is that humans simply do not live up to their potential. This is the problem. You're just not living up to who you are. You don't know who you are. You should be better than who you are. Man A must be delivered from his environment. I want you to think about what it is saying. First of all, you are being hampered by social structures. You are the person that needs to know better, be better, live better. Deliverance is from environmental influence or impact. B, social structures, moral standards, authority, do's and don'ts are restrictive and therefore man must learn to be free. You can see that uh, freedom coming up over and over. What this says is that the fundamental problem that humans have is the limitation of their freedom. They don't know how to live in relation to who they are. That is the problem of sin. That sin doesn't factor into the equation. There is no original sin. The problem is not that you have sinned against God. The problem is not that you're far from God. The problem is you are not who you are supposed to be. See, I think I put it in. Yeah. Our higher need is self-actualization. I'll get back to what that is in a moment. Self-actualization. Again, this is a man-centered approach. Not that the others are not. But this is fundamentally human-centered. It is making you the best version of sounds like having your best life mm. right now <clears throat> listen to how they explain it 
gratification of the higher needs require a change in our socioeconomic status. Do you see how all of this is starting to make sense? Why we are where we are today? Gratification of our higher needs and the way that they separate it is our higher needs is self-actualization. The lower needs is relationships, um, uh, education, uh, things that relate to life on a horizontal, uh, on a, on a yeah, horizontal plane. Um, but that is important, but not as important as actualizing who you are, gratification of who you are. That's a problem. Everything in the system focuses on the person, our desires, our wants, our wills, our freedom. It's shocking if you think about, even, even yourself, if you think about how you react when your freedoms are infringed on. That's sinful, right? Well, it's, it's my freedom. It is my will that you have transgressed. What about God's? We've elevated our wants, our wills above the will and wants of God. D, when this, your higher needs, uh, is not met, your higher need is not met, then people become sick. <laughs> this is why you're sick and having physical problems. is because you have not reached self-actualization. So sickness is not the result of sin. Paul says that that could be a reason. Sickness is not the result of just an ailing body. No, it's because you are not, uh, you've not reached your highest potential. There are two um, sets uh, uh, of ways to gratify your needs. <laughs> this is funny. It's esteem based on respect for one's own competence. So you esteem yourself based on your independence, your accomplishments, and competence. And this translates into esteem based, based on others' evaluation. So you are first built up by yourself, in yourself, for yourself, and then they must esteem you. You esteem yourself, and then they need to affirm you. And if they don't, that breaks down this self-gratification, this nature of who you're supposed to be. You know what that is? That is man wanting his sinful self elevated. Both center on being affirmed for self-gratification. You want affirmation for, of who you are, what you have achieved. Can you think of anything in our society that requires that today? I think so. Only when this need is met, then the person becomes whole. Number two, man is born good or mostly neutral. So those who are mostly neutral, they end up to be really bad. But most of us are born good. We're born with a good nature, able to do um, the good things that good men do. In fact, bad things happen to good people. Heard that before? Yeah. That's, this is where the, it, it stems from, is that the, the natural understanding is that man is not born 
with a, a problem of sin. Man is born with an inability to actualize himself. Sin is religious and should not be brought into the equation of personal freedom. Wow. This idea of man's innate goodness is probably the greatest deception in psychology. I don't know if there's a bigger one. Your goodness, your ability to choose good, to do good, constantly, and that goodness affects you uh, to be better. Uh, I, I don't know if there's a greater, maybe, maybe there is, but I don't think there's a greater deception than that. And I'll get back to that in a moment's time. Number three. Humanistic, the humanistic approach presupposes that man has the solution <clears throat> to all his problems within himself. This is where salvation lies. This is where the solution is. You are the solution. <clears throat> Discovering our abilities, A, um, and fulfilling our needs brings us our highest happiness. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm not a, I'm not a, uh, a Westminster guy. I, I, I tend not to default to some of the reformed uh, things that are out there. Uh, but what does the, the Westminster Confession of Faith say about the goal of man? What is the goal of man? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. <clears throat> that is not in the equation of humanistic psychology. You are to be glorified, esteemed, and you are to be enjoyed. Wow. <clears throat> we can do anything if we only believe in ourselves. I don't know about you, but there's a lot of movies, and especially Disney, that seems to echo this. Just believe. Um, even that song, I believe I'm a fly. <laughs> I know what it says. Don't correct me. <laughs> Q&A. <clears throat> how would you respond to any of our, this that I've just said? Uh, how, would you, how would you counsel somebody that has this kind of worldview? Where, what's your starting point? Any of the points? <clears throat> John's not here, right? There he is. <laughs> it's your day today. <laughs> Anything, brother. <clears throat> While you're thinking, you can pass it on to a friend. Yeah, he's laughing because he knows he's next in line. <laughs> Anyone else? I'll start with Genesis. Ex explain. Explain. Yeah. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll start with Genesis. Uh, um, God, our creator. Yeah. Well done. What is that? What is that that you've just done? It's the gospel. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> the 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 problem to the human the solution to the human problem. Is not psychology. Is not psychoanalysis. It's uh, psychoanalyzing. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for speaking for me. <laughs> psychoanalysis. Um, it's it's not helping people be better people. Th that's not the goal. The goal is to help them see in relation to God. 
Um, anything else? Good point. Good place to start. How would you respond? John, do you have an answer yet? I'm yeah. Yes. <laughs> well, since you started speaking, is there? <laughs> um, choose one. Let's choose one. Let's do. Who, who's? Go ahead, Gunter. Yeah. In response to? Yeah. And you will get that a lot, especially in college uh, campuses, universities. Um, the idea is that we, we are born neutral, we are born good, we don't, no, no we are good people. Um, you, you can't judge. I, I'm, I'm a good person that makes bad decisions. You do that as well. I mean, I'm not saying that that's what we believe, that's just, um, that's how the world thinks. How should a Christian think about um, the advice that's being given to people in, in this realm? Uh, how do how do we respond to that? It's not that difficult. Go ahead. It might be a little bit off, but it also um, would ask, you know, what is the moral standard? Where does it come from? Yeah, it's a good that's a good place. Uh, yeah, morality does not exist in evolution. Um, morality. Uh, does not exist if we are organisms. Uh, the, the way that they argue this away, I think I have laid in my notes, the way that they argue morality away, it's by common agreement. Um, if you go to the last page, if you, I see the hand, uh, page six, not the last page. If you see uh, integrity groups under common knowledge, so when, when we think of common knowledge, it's knowledge that is shared commonly, that is common agreement. The integrity group's um, uh, um, system believes that because um, we agree that murder is wrong, it is wrong. But in essence, technically, it is not wrong. It's just because we had a, have a common agreement that it is wrong. So morality does not exist in, this, um, in any of the non-Christian uh, approaches. In fact, as a counselor, this is a non-Christian counselor, you don't have the right to overlay any standard, whether it be biblical or moral, you cannot overlay any standard on the individual. He needs to come to a realization and understanding by himself. Um, now. That's exactly what I wanted to say. Yeah, thank you. That helped. So you're helping out John, right? Cameron, <laughs> yes. So yeah, I was just going to exactly as uh, Gunther said, we're looking at Romans chapter three. We're looking at total depravity. In other words, every area of has been affected by sin. Okay. And those people who are giving us good counseling, yeah, they have also been affected by that sin. So yeah, well said. Well said. And that's where, when I started, I, I said that they have a theology. Their presuppositions are skewed. Um, that should that should send out um, red flags. You cannot deal with soul issues by means of any other way. Uh, there is no other solution than the scriptures. Number four, four requirements of self-actualization. This is how you become a better you. 
Again, this is not what we are saying. I'm just giving you an overview of uh, the psychological approach. Freedom from the constraints of social imposed standards. <laughs> yeah, there's that word again. B, freedom from our unnecessary needs, things that are lower down on the rank, um, relationships, education, um, responsibilities, uh, all those things are lower needs, higher need, the higher need, the highest need is your gratification of who you are, being, being a better you. C, security in our self-image. So having a good, high self-esteem. Can I tell you that murderers have a high self-esteem? Can I tell you that a guy who fails math has a high self-esteem? I believe I, I can do better. I'm, I feel... I don't know if this is going to work after this. I feel so good about myself. It doesn't ma matter that I can't add an algebraic equation, can't get to the solution. Um, <clears throat> yeah, have you ever seen that? I don't know if it's called a meme or a GIF. Um, find A. You know what I'm talking about, right? Most people would know in, the, uh, in, the, in, in an e algebraic equation, find X or find A. You know what it means, right? And he circled it and said, here it is. <clears throat> Yeah, And he feels good about that. That's the world we are in. As long as you have a good self-image, um, I've seen, let me just pause here, I've seen the net result of bad math. Have you gone to, if you go down the N1 or N2, there are restrooms where you stand and you have to wash your hands. And the calculation between the tap and the sink is off. Because <clears throat> you can't even get a finger in there. I'm just saying, bad math matters. Anyway, D... <clears throat> Have self-revelation or realization of one's own ability, strengths, self-virtues, uh, and weaknesses. <clears throat> Everything focuses on you, your betterment. And the solution is E, free will must not be limited. <clears throat> yeah. I don't know how <clears throat> to counter this. I mean, it's, it's clearly the... Focus is on me, me, me. <clears throat> Remember what I said earlier? Free will is key in this approach. This is why. If free will is limited, <clears throat> then people cannot reach their fullest potential. I think I put this quote in your um, notes. <clears throat> Speaking of man, Roger says, quote, He is, this is man's process of the good life is not. Now take note of this. This should be an in inverted comment. So he's telling you what it is not. I am convinced. So I'm convinced is, is within quotations. So man's process of the good life is not having a conviction. I am convinced. <clears throat> a life, this is, this, this having a conviction, is a life for the faint-hearted. Rather, it involves the stretching and growing of becoming more and more of one's own person, uh, potentialities. <clears throat> it involves the courage to be. Mm. It means launching oneself fully into the stream of life. <clears throat> Did you catch that? Becoming 
It is not having convictions. It is not living by rules. It is not having standards. That is for the weak. That is for the faint-hearted. What it is, is stretching, growing, pursuing, becoming more of you. And then, being courageous in that. Can you think of any system that adequately describes or mimics or displays this today. Yeah, I heard something. You can't? I think it's pretty obvious. Who do you think are the most proud? And who do you think are coming out brave? Oh, it's so brave for that person to do that. The trans and LGBT movement, right? It is so brave for a man to pick up the weights of what a woman can't pick up. It is so brave for a man to swim against a woman. Oh, what a brave individual for for displaying to the world who they really are. Bull baloney, man. What on earth? I know we are broken. I, I know that the world is broken, but that is insane. That is not being brave. Yet, at the heart of it, it's becoming more of who they are. That's exactly what the humanistic approach advocates. Be, just, just be who you are. Now, again, people in the LGBTQ movement are either absolutely confused, deceived by the devil, <clears throat> or their mind is broken. They, they are mentally insane. There are no other options. Note that word, courage, though. You hear this often, and it comes up a lot, and becoming. This process is known as meta-motivation. People don't get motivated from external forces or influences, but from inside. Now, here's the kicker. They give you a list of how to know that you are on the verge, on the precipice of being meta-motivated. Now, don't look around. Don't nudge. I'll just mention it. Those who are creative, visionaries, dedicated to a cause, fighting for a cause, have social interests, that is what society are promoting, Resist social pressures, those things which goes against your own desires and wills. They are tolerant, accepting of of others, spontaneous, (laughs) simple, I don't know what that means, I'm just mentioning it, simple, and self-accepting. They are meta-motivated and therefore self-actualized. I'm not saying there are some people here who are on that list. I'm just saying that it is an interesting list. Rogerianism, or the humanistic approach, does not need an expert or a professional to tell people how to live. If, If you do have a professional, he is supposed to just help you in the sense of mirroring your desires. But he cannot tell you how to become self-actualized. So, what is important in the system is, at the core, is the freedom of the will. Human freedom. Freedom drives our choices. You can either choose to be good 
or choose to be evil. You, uh, you just need a nudge in the right direction. Man is free and he just needs to realize it and then live in accordance with that freedom. What, second Q&A, uh, is the problem with this concept? What is the problem with it? If I don't see hands, I do call on people. Brandon. <laughs> it is not that difficult. Okay, John. Yeah, people think they are good and they don't think they are sinful. But why is that a problem, though? They see no need to repent. Oh, good point. They don't see a need to repent. Anything else? Said. That seems to be the solution. Your salvation is inside of you. Um, there, there is a theological movement that seems to buy into this. And uh, I'll mention that later. Go, Don. Yeah, if, if depravity isn't total, right, then that means there is something partially good. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you go. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Uh, ever heard of the demigod um, philosophy? No. Anyway, I saw another hand of uh, Zakinen. Yeah. They play? Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. What they decide at that moment. Yeah. Everything is falling today. <laughs> Sorry. My key just somehow slipped down my pants. It's coming out the bottom. <laughs> no idea how that happened. Anyway, um... Any verse that you could hang all of those things on? Um, yeah, that is the solution. But the whole idea of depravity, like Don said, it, it, um, if it's not total, then, then we have a part of us that is not affected by it. Uh, go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14. <clears throat> The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. Natural person here is the unbelieving person. Take note of the strong way in which Paul says it. The natural man does not, that is, does not want to accept the things of the Spirit of God. For they are folly to him. It's foolishness to him. And, so there's two things, he is not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. You know what you call this? No ethic depravity. The mind is fully depraved. He doesn't want to accept 
the truth from God, and nor can he accept the truth from God. So the mind, that is the person, is fully fallen, which means he has no capacity to choose any good that would be accepting by God. Now that does not mean that man cannot uh, do good. Natural good we are all capable of doing, but that is not what God requires for our salvation. Uh, being good to people is not um, in, in the equation. Now, uh, think about how Disney songs have been brainwashing us. Listen to this. Quote, We will be free. We will be who we are. They, the, the things uh, that help us to be who we are, they uh, heal our scars. Anybody know where that's from? The movie Brave. Ever seen Brave? The, I think she's a redhead. Uh, Irish little girl. With the Scottish. Scottish, yes. Yeah. Cool movie, Bad Theology. Um, listen to this. Don't hum the tune, please. And the fears that once controlled me can't get to me at all. It's time to see what I can do to test the limits and break through. No right, no wrong, no rules for me. Listen to the last line. I'm free. Where is this from? Yo, no. <laughs> Who knew that? <laughs> Frozen. <laughs> yes, exactly. Um, I, I just I took some time and went through some of the Disney songs. This, this <laughs> it's pretty funny. And, uh, not that I have a problem with... Well, I do have a problem with the current form of Disney, but the older Disneys are pretty safe and, and clean. But um, slowly, psychology has been seeping into a lot of movies, especially cartoons. If your kids are on YouTube Kids, be very careful. I think you need to sit in the room when they watch YouTube Kids. Why do you think personal freedom is so attract, uh, attractive? Why is it so appealing? Why is it, why is it that people fight for it so much? Sorry, what? Go ahead. Self-gratification or? No accountability. Uh, yeah, I suppose so. No accountability. Anything else? Yes? We want to be like God or maybe God. Yeah. Um, that's, a, that's a good point. Uh, or... It's exactly what we want. This is what our sinful self wants. And what the world does, it gives you exactly what you want. We need to move on. Number five. This counseling, this form of counseling, avoids any direct advice or objective statements. So there's two. um, Direct advice. Okay, no. Authoritative standards. Confrontation and references to moral absolutes. The counselor in this approach must merely rephrase words and clarify statements and ask, what will make you happy? Don't ever ask that. I mean, goodness. A narcissist is going to tell you exactly what he wants to make himself happy. And you... 
And you have to affirm that, whether you agree with it or not. Number six, the main function of the counselor is to become a mirror for the counselee. So you don't impose standards on him, you just merely reflect what they want, what they are saying. Uh, you echo them. Don't, don't tell them any objective, or don't give them any objective uh, truth. I know I'm rushing, but I, uh, there's still a lot to get through. Um, and we have 10 minutes left. <clears throat> Why is the humanistic approach uh, wrong? Man does not have resources within himself, but they must be shown their sin. Instead of wanting people to feel good about their decisions and this, they, themselves, they need to stand before God. And you do that by giving them the gospel, even the Christians. You want them to understand who they are before God. Number two, man's will is not free. The will of man has been affected um, just as every part of man. Even the body of man is affected by the fall. Number three, man's basic problem is more serious than merely not living up to his or her potential. The problem is that you have sinned against the Holy God. Our task is to show them Christ and not themselves. Number four, mankind is at its core sinful and inherently evil. We should never encourage people to pursue their desires. Your desire is sinful. Now, if you are saved, you should have reformed desires, righteous desires, desires that are for God. But the heart is deceitful. It is desperately wicked. You don't want to tell people, follow your heart, trust your heart, follow your instinct, because all of that things takes you away from God, not towards God. Number five, the counselor, and I just mentioned that, is not a mirror to merely help people, um, uh, the person's emotion and needs, but must confront them with the truth. Next week we'll look a little bit more at what confrontation is, so I'm going to leave that for a moment. Number six, the biblical counselor does not impose his own uh, personal standards on the counselee, but, I think I had and in your notes, but they must submit to the standard of God's word. Number seven, God is sovereign and his will and purpose are to be impressed upon the counselee. That means you don't get to say, I don't, I, I don't believe that or I don't, I don't agree with that. Uh, I just can't. A believer is using a euphemism for saying that God has required too much of them. If you say, well, I can't, I can't do that. Is God exempt from your life? Is God's standards exempt? For, uh, uh, are you exempt from God's standards? Do you think that God cannot enable you like he does other believers? Are you beyond the help of God? I can't, should not be in the language of a believer when it comes to doing what God requires. You point them to the truth and you insist on it. Too often we are too scared to offend too scared to tell people, this is the word of God, this is what it requires, you are required to obey this. If you love the Lord, you will obey his commandments. We are scared to confront people with the truth because we are scared that they are going to leave. If you leave because you've been confronted with the truth, there is the door. The reason is, you are not above any of God's commands. If he requires it of you, 
you must obey. The counselee, number eight, must not adopt an accepting attitude towards sin. I think too often we fold to people's wants and wills. Counselors are not the authority. We don't tell you what we want. We tell you what God wants. That's why we don't budge. It's because it's God's word, God's requirements, God's desire. If you have a problem with that, who do you have a problem with? God. Biblical counseling points people to what God desires. And if, people, if believers have a problem with counselors telling them what God desires, there's a bigger problem. There's a major problem. Uh, you can write on Proverbs 29, uh, 19 to 20. It, it relates to a man that does not want to take counsel. Um, and Proverbs 12, 12 1. Um, we won't look at that now. So I think I've given you point four, right? Yeah. Okay. Let's just get into some of the discussion before I get to principle two. Uh, why do you think the psychological approach is so pervasive today? Why is it so widespread? Go ahead, uh, Cameron. Uh, somebody over there said because it's self-gratifying. Yeah, yeah. It's exactly what we want. There you go. Yeah. When you think of false teaching and false prophecy, what do you think of? You think of church, right? There are false prophets in the world. The environmental cult is a false prophetic movement. Why? Doom and gloom prophecies. It's going to happen. Christians buy into that. The psychological cult is a false prophet movement. Why? Because they're giving you false information that drives you away from God and not to God. Um, it, go ahead. Well said. Yeah, good point. Um, I'm going to jump over the last question. Can a Christian have emotional problems? I'll get back to that next week. Uh, is it wrong for a Christian to go to a psychologist? Yes, yes. Why, Brandon? Okay. Uh, somebody want to help him out? It's true. Anything else? So, my view is uh, these guys like Jung and Rogers and all of them, when they developed yeah. the system, they were developing it, developing it to get rid of God. Yeah, yeah. well said. There you go. It's anti-God, anti-Christian. How can you use a system that opposes God to help people, uh, to help the people of God? So, yeah, I don't think it's a good idea. Principle number two. Adequate for every good work. Look at verse uh, 3 in Second Peter chapter 1. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness 
through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. His divine power has given to all believers everything that pertains to life, everything that you need and require to live a godly life. You don't need to, to go to a psychologist. Where do you need to go? It tells us, through the knowledge of him. How do you attain it? Through the knowledge of him. What is that? Scriptures. That's how you become the person that God wants you to be. That, that's how you become not what you want to be. Take note at how he describes this. He tells us exactly the effect <clears throat> um, in verse 5. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. If, again, he returns to knowledge. He begins with it, he has it in the middle, and he ends with it. What is he saying? If you have the knowledge of Christ, if you are growing in the knowledge of who he is, it affects how you live. It changes your life. In, in fact, Brotherly affection, uh, love, godliness, self-control, uh, steadfastness, uh, virtue, and growing in knowledge. All of these things are resultant of growing in the knowledge of God. The problem is we have taken verse 5 through to verse 7 and replaced it with me. I am the most important person in my world and the minute my freedoms are crushed, I am crushed. Yeah, there's so much to say on that. Our time is done. We have five minutes left. Uh, I want to open it up to discussion. Um, all these approaches takes us away from Christ. The Bible points us to Christ. You have everything that you need that you need in Christ, just not in yourself. You look inward, you're going to cause more damage and harm to yourself and others around you. Any questions or comments? Uh, Shufist, yes. Um, it just made me think of Matthew 7, so I just went there where Jesus confronts man, self-righteous, and well yes, said. Christians, we must put mm. um, out sin and refer them to God's word. And then further on, we uh, read about the two ways to life, and both supposedly points uh, to God's, or how we can enter the kingdom, mm. but there's a wide way and a narrow way. Mm. Amen. Well said. Yes, sir. I think Romans 2, verse 8, um, mm. is quite clear on what happens when we become too inwardly focused. Yeah. But for those who are self seeking and do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, they will be wrapped in the mm. Same chapter, um, Paul says that those who uh, do these evils, they not only encourage it, but um, they not only do it, but they encourage it as well. Um, th listen to this. This is where, when my notes are done early, and then, then I get time to do <laughs> these things. So I want to go search for a song that relates to what we are talking about. I believe the children are our future. Oh, yeah, oh, yeah. Teach them well and let them lead the way. Think of Greta, just saying. 
Show them all the beauty they possess. Oh, yeah. She knows the song. Give them a sense of pride to make it easier. Let the children's laughter remind us of what we used to be. Everybody's searching for a hero. People need someone to look up to. I have found, I've never found anyone who fulfills my needs. (laughs) A lonely place to be. And so I learned to depend on me. You just again. That's just this whole culture has been influenced for years to think psychologically. It doesn't matter if you you grew up in a little enclave away from from um, the world. The minute you step your, your your foot into the world, what do you get smacked with? Is psycholo- psychology. Um, unfortunately, it is every where I think psychology is, has caused the erosion of moral standards and elevated hypersensitivity to self-will, to self-actualization, and to self-love. We are in trouble, and brethren and sisters, um, a lot of what you heard said today will not be said in pulpits because we are so scared of losing people. We want the seats filled. Uh, frankly, I am not accountable to you, neither Peter nor Don. If you don't like what we say, you can challenge us all you want. But if you leave on account of the word of God, thank you for leaving. Why? Because God doesn't want us to bow to you. God wants you to bow to him. Let me close. Father, thank you for your grace and your kindness and your will. It is clear in your word that we are in absolute need of you. You have made yourself, uh, um, you've revealed yourself and your will in your word, and also you've given to us adequate information, adequate truth, adequate knowledge to live for your glory, uh, to live and to be changed by your word. Pray, Father, that uh, these truths would change us and help us not to be so self-focused, so self-centered. Help us to love Christ and to pursue him above all things. May your name be magnified in our lives, and for your glory we pray. Amen.